You're listening to the Music Podcast with Dave and Neil. The Music Podcast with Dave and Neil. Good morning, afternoon, evening, everyone listening here to the uh, Music Podcast with Dave and Neil. Hey everyone, how you doing? Oh, pretty funny. Good, Neil. Well, every time you I say everyone, me, you, you say no. I'm talking to everyone. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. good. Thanks good. for asking. Uh, we are very, very, very happy to have in the studio with us today, uh, Lady Zan Rowe. Hello. Lady. Welcome. I like to be fancy. Does on that the mean show. I'm a knight? Have I been knighted? I think so. Look, I've I've been making my way through Game of Thrones again, so maybe it just kind of <laughs> has just worked its way into my vernacular. Well, all of a sudden, I own large plots of land in England. It means one yeah. of those things. Thank you. Anyway, thank I you. I thought it was a crown reference. I've seen one episode of The Crown, so I thought, oh, lady, right? Like this I, is my crown. I think that they use lords and ladies <laughs> in both both Game of Thrones and The Crown. See, listening and learning. Yeah, all of these references are working in a very good way for me. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> are you are you a big TV watcher? Because we know you're a big music listener. Yeah, well, I think that that's the thing that um, a lot of people know me as a you know massive music fan, music journalist for many years. Yeah. Um, but I also really love you know like anyone else, burning through lots of series of things. <laughs> I love film. Um, I was part of a show called Screen Time, which is continuing on the ABC last year, where mm. we pretty much just talked about all things on screen. You know, yeah. whether it was web series or The Crown or films that were out. So um, yeah, mm. I, I definitely like any other living breathing human uh, who's interested in culture, like to take my culture in every any in every way that I can. Because you are kind of living living the dream, you know, as far as, I mean, I sort of consider myself, I know Neil considers ourselves sort of pop culture geeks. I, I don't know if I can throw you in that in that same uh, sure. barrel. All right, great. Now I can move on to the next question. <laughs> Got victim approval there. I'm one of you. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like obviously, you know, you've been, uh, you know, you started in radio, I think as early as 90, 96, Yeah, right? it was late 90s when I got into community radio, yeah. So, so you've been kind of living this pop culture in this sort of pop culture world. You never had to do the like, I'm going to go work as an accountant for, for oh, a little while. I had while. my fair share of shit jobs. Don't yeah. worry. Okay. I had polyester uniforms that used to stick to me. I used to be have sleepless nights. I've washed <laughs> dishes. I was a salad tender. Worked at a service station for a few years. Yep. I've, I've definitely, I haven't done the sort of blue collar day job boring thing, but I've done, you know, I've done plenty of data entry at universities yeah. in my time to make some coin. Did you do call <laughs> center work? Uh, yes, weirdly. Everyone's going to do it, right? It's yeah. funny that you mentioned that though, because the only call center I ever worked at was there was a period of my life where I lived in Los Angeles between the ages of about um, 18 and 21 very formative time in my life in terms of the music that I got exposed to but I also had to find a way to make some coin under the radar Mm. didn't have a working visa and I was working at a music store the last day that my visa ran out and this guy heard my accent and basically asked me for a job uh, asked me if I you know if I wanted a job and I was like yes he's a savior turns out this guy who's first of all I should have been completely uh, worried about because he was wearing a leather vest. Um, sure. Anyone with a leather ve- leather vest is not to be trusted. Not in wrestling. Most wrestlers wear leather vests in the way to the room. Well, I don't in trust most wrestlers. In my experience, Stone Cold Steve Austin, leather vest. I yeah. would trust Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, you shouldn't. This guy was not to be trusted. I yeah. ended up going out and doing a trial session for him um, at what you could call a call centre. It was this sort of shitty little office deep in the San Fernando Valley, which is, quote, the valley in L.A. I had to catch a bus two hours into the valley, and basically what he was selling was 
I had to call rich people on the other coast in New York City and Washington uh, at their dinner time and cold call them and ask them if they were willing to invest $10,000 in an oil drill. So I went from no call centre experience to this bizarre <laughs> afternoon that I only ever did one afternoon. I left there, went to the local Starbucks and cried because I felt my soul had been yeah. ripped out of me because people were just abusing me on the phone. Did and you get one yes? Like, no, that of sounds quite good, actually. Has anyone in the history of his business gotten a yes for that? Here's idea was that accents, Australian, New Zealand, British accents made people stay on the line longer. So I was sure. the small baby little Australian <laughs> lamb to the slaughter and that's the only call centre work I've ever done. I mean, that's the kind of thinking that also brings you a leather vest. I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the kind of he was an interesting there. guy. See, I, I was, got out of it alive. So I worked like a, like a warranty call centre. So like if you like your toaster or your fridge broke, you called me. Oh, that's a horrible job. So immediately job. the conversation sucks. You're already pissed off. So like it yeah. was it was the worst. But like you know because this was like when Dave and I did community radio, and I was like, oh wow, you interview all these great people. You must be living life. I'm like, yes. Yeah. And <laughs> don't tell them sweet, I that sweet community radio paycheck as get well. Get yelled at from bloody Frank because his toaster's not working during the day. You got to do the hard yards. I think that's actually one of the things that you know. Whenever people say, oh, you're so lucky. I do. You know, I've I've had some some great opportunities, but I've also really worked hard to get where I am. And there's been many years where I lived at home with my parents until I was. 27 I was very privileged to be able to do that I was working five different jobs to make coins so I could volunteer work for free mm. at community radio get the experience that earned me you know the, the the opportunities that then led to places like triple r triple j um television and everything else in between so yeah lucky is definitely a way to phrase it but I think that you know you take some some pretty um Tough jobs in between uh, mm. in order to work for free, getting the experience of the job that you actually want to get to. So that's a perfect segue because, I mean, as, as Dave and I would know as well, like, you know, when you are doing community radio, you're passionate about it, you love what you're doing, you get to meet all these people. Fast forward to now and something like you do Take 5, it was, what, three months ago now that you just hung out with Sir Paul McCartney. Sir Paul. Mm. And it Final feels, it, show at Triple J, right? It was um, the, it was one of the second last. Yeah, so sure. it was it's I think that uh, it, it's been reported in a couple of places of the final show because it happened a couple of days after I announced that I'd be finishing sure. up my time at Triple J and moving to Double J. Sure. Um, but the final Take 5 was actually Linda Mariano, who's the new Triple J Mornings host, interviewing me to do a Take 5. So I was totally indulgent on my last Take 5 because it was about me. <laughs> yeah. But Sir Paul um, Macker uh, was, yeah, a dream come true and really something that um, I, I never imagined as a little kid growing up on the Beatles and who've really informed my whole life. Never imagined I'd have that opportunity, you know. He he hadn't toured Australia in 25 years. We'd been putting all these different requests to him at, from Triple J, um, basically anything and everything that we wanted and anything and everything that he would do. And he liked the idea of the Take 5. Um, he liked the idea of just talking about his music. And the Take 5 is, you know, for anybody who knows it is a... a a segment where an artist gets to become a music fan and they pick other people's music. But for Paul, you let Paul pick Paul's songs because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's written all of the songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we and I just loved that because, I, you know, it's one of those things where, and this happens often in, the, often in the Take 5, you think you know a song or an artist inside out, but that uh, the time that you allow to sit down, stretch out, and also just that vulnerability. I don't know about you guys, but whenever you hear music that you love and the particularly a soundtrack certain moments in your life it just sort of triggers something that opens you up in ways that maybe a normal interview won't 
And I see it time and time again, on and off air, it really feels like we're in a bit of a, a therapy session, for better or worse, whenever I do these take fives. So with Paul having, you know, he's done thousands, hundreds of thousands maybe interviews in his very long career, but I heard things from him that I've never heard before and I saw him talking about, you know, periods of self-doubt he had. And you never think that Sir Paul McCartney is ever going to doubt what he can do, but it just gave me such an insight into his world. And he was so charming and, he, you know, he's talking about working with Kanye and then he's like, oh, why don't I show you? And reaches around. I don't even realise there's a guitar behind him on the couch. And, and I'm just there going, okay, great. That's great. Yeah. Okay, cool. Are you going to just play the riff now? Oh, now you're whistling. That's good. And now you're just basically recreating the song that um, everyone was talking about. Yeah. Then he reminded me that he uh, got a Grammy for. He's very good that way. He just drops those little Grammys in. Sure. But, yeah, it just it was, it was a weird experience um, and a beautiful experience and one that, honestly, whenever I hear – still because we use some of the little audio from that in um, promos that we run on Double J and Triple J and stuff. And whenever I hear him and I know it's his voice talking to me, I start crying. Yeah. Wow. It just, I can't, I still can't believe that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I've listened to it about 15 times, (laughs) maybe just to also remind myself that it happened. Yeah. But it was such a, such an honor to speak to him and such a beautiful way to, close out my time at Triple J and then take the Take 5 into its new home at Double J and begin, you know, more adventures. So mm. I couldn't have asked for a greater end to 20, 2017. It was amazing. Well, it's, it's so great that Take 5 is having this sort of extra life over it at Double J. I mean, I, I you know, listened to it quite a lot oh, thank growing you. up. I used to love it. My favourite ones. Don't fanboy, but- please. Shh. Just let me have my moment, Neil. <laughs> uh, but my favorite ones when you used to have like filmmakers in, um, mm. and and not and like people that weren't necessarily musicians. Oh, cool. That would kind of be like, you know, these are the music. This is the music that kind of shaped me because you know music is so personal to everyone, and it is so um, uh, for me. Uh, it has such a huge impact on who we become as people. Yeah. And as you said, these sort of milestones in our lives that's not exclusive to to musicians. So it was really kind of cool to kind of see, you know, there's such a diverse range of people. Yeah, and they're as often well as the, the, the most fun ones to do for exactly that same reason. Mm. You don't have any expectation going in uh, as a listener for me, as, a, as an interviewer as well. And I think that, you know, you're hard-pressed to find someone who doesn't love music or hasn't had music form part of their, their story, you know, um, and their memory. So it, it really is a segment that um, everyone can connect with, both, both as a listener and also a participant. Um, you know, from our end, I guess it's kind of easier to go, oh, okay, well, Violent Soho, they're probably going to pick some good songs. They're trustworthy. Um, or this week, Angel Olsen, yeah, she's going to pick some deep cuts, you know, We'll definitely get her in. You have to do a little bit more research when you're speaking to athletes or actors or painters or, um, you know, filmmakers, any other type of creative or non-creative. Football players, although football players do have really good music taste, particularly <laughs> AFL football players have really good music taste. But, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's all the more rewarding for that and I think that it's just another reminder, you know, it's music is the great equaliser, you know. It's sort of... People often say that football is a great equaliser, and I agree with that too. But, if, you know, if you can get into a conversation with someone about music, then there's always that connection at a party or if you're, you know, stuck at some sort of family reunion. It's a really great equaliser, and I think that it can be 
in such a great way for a whole bunch of people that maybe you didn't know or maybe you see this guy you think he's a bullfed rugby player but actually there's more to the story you know and we don't mm-hmm. hear that often because he's not telling his story through making his own songs he's telling his story through kicking a football around mm-hmm. so yeah i love those and I'm, I'm really glad that you love those as well because they're um yeah. We've got to do some more of those on Double J. We've been spoilt for choice at the start of 2018. Yeah. There's been <laughs> so many amazing take fires. We're just sort of like, you know, have to sort of kick, kick off the uh, the request for take fire because there's been so many incredible international touring acts. Because you, you are, so you are at Double J now. You've done the huge leap. Um, has the show evolved? I mean, has the way you kind of approached the, the show evolved a lot with the, the shift? It's Yeah, it's definitely shifted in a little way, I guess, in regards to, you know, the show that I did on Triple J, Uh, compared to the show I do on Double J, they're both on the same time slot, nine till midday. And we did that because we wanted to, I guess, you know, bring the audience that had grown up with me that maybe was kind of had heard about Double J, but hadn't necessarily given it a go, um, but maybe is probably more keen on the stuff that we're doing and and playing on Double J just because of the sort of music that we pitch uh, to our audience is of, you know, really more suited to sort of 30 to 50 year old market as opposed to the Triple J demographic, which is very focused on 18 to 24s. Um, so it was an easy, it's an easy sort of sidestep. You know, we're all part of the same family and it's just, we're just next door. Literally the studios are just next door <laughs> yeah. to each other. Um, sometimes I run in and have a chat with Linda Mariano on yeah. Triple J mornings. Um, but the, we're doing a lot more, uh, a lot more storytelling on, on Double J. I've pretty much got guests every single day. Wow. I get to stretch out one of my favorite things in addition to the take five is doing, um, a feature on our feature. So just like Triple J, Double J has a feature album every week mm-hmm. and I speak to the band or the artist behind that and have this long-form conversation, which takes me back to the way that I used to do somewhat indulgently interviews on my old Triple R Drive show years ago. And I really turned this, you know, interview, this 15-minute interview into this kind of half-hour deep dive where you heard a whole bunch of music. And I just, as a listener but also a radio maker, I always loved that. So I'm so excited to bring that back Mm. uh, to Double J um, and have, you know, the story being told not only through the songs but also through the artist, you know, giving us the, the backstory of the stuff that it maybe isn't as, as obvious. So that's been really fun. And then just having, um, doing silly things that I myself as a Triple J listener growing up, much like, you know, I'm the, I'm the age of Double J, the Double J target demographic. So when I get Tim Ross, Rosso in to just talk shit about stuff, I love it. The audience loves it because we all know that. And again, it's kind of, t- you know, it's, it's as much about telling the story of, the new artists around and the new music that we're sharing on Double J. And Double J shares about 70% new music. It's not a classic station, you know. Yeah. It's plenty of favourites, but it's also very much a new music station. But we do get to have fun with all of the artists that we grew up with who, you know, chemically have a special space in our brain and heart. You know, the music that you grew up listening to as a teenager and in your early 20s is always going to be more important to the music that you, you listen to throughout your life. Mm. It's been scientifically proven. <laughs> Seriously. Like Dr. Carl, yeah, there's, like, yeah, no, no, there's, like, there's like a chemical thing that happens that means that whenever you sort of have that argument, oh, the music that I loved as a teenager, it's better than the music these days. And in your mind, maybe not technically, or, or um, if you actually took a poll, it's like, yes, this is absolutely better. But in your mind it is because of what was going on, mm. how you were forming relationships, how you were forming your own identity, finding your place in the world and the soundtrack to that. So, mm. yeah, all of that stuff. It's really fun to play in that realm in Double J um, and to be really silly and just it's such a gift to be able to take that audience who I've ha- had such an amazing audience at Triple J and I felt that love so much at the end of last year when I said 
my farewell to Triple J, it was quite overwhelming. But then for that audience to come with me and be enjoying this new space has just been great. And I imagine that you, like, there are specific fans who would follow you around, right? Like, mm. the, the, these listeners who are on Triple J have now followed you straight to Double J and are, and are backing you as much as they have. Yeah, and it's really great to see that. Like, there's plenty of people who are already listening to Double J and they've been very welcoming. I'm coming in to their station now. I'm, <laughs> I'm the new kid in town. But then there's been heaps of people who have never before tried Double J and they're like, oh, I'm loving this. Is great. I love all these songs. It's like, yeah, I know. Isn't it great? Like, I think it's kind of that thing of, I've said it a couple of times, like, come on in the water's great. Don't yeah. be scared. You know, yeah. Triple J is such an iconic radio station and has had such an impact, you know, over more than 40 years in Australia and continues to, you know, the station just grows and grows. It's an amazing, amazing cultural connection for Australia and the world. Mm. And Double J is growing, but still, you know, compared to that 40 plus history is still a station in its infancy. Um, but we get to draw on that Triple J history and maintain that connection and still have all of these incredible musicians and music fanatics and music journalists, uh, you know, talking about the the kind of stuff that we're passionate about. So, yeah, it's yeah. been really fun. Do I need to go out and buy a digital radio to listen to Double J? Uh, like, is that is that the, the best way to, to tune in? Not necessarily. You can if you want, and they're pretty cheap. I don't yep. have any stocks in digital radios. <laughs> um, I did just buy my second digital radio, though, so I'm like, well and truly, I've drunk the Kool-Aid. But that's because <laughs> I wanted a digital clock radio so I could wake up to, wake up to a crystal clear sound. <laughs> yep. uh, and I got one in my kitchen as well, which I've had for years. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a slightly confusing for people who sometimes people think that if you've got like a digital display on your AM, FM radio, it's a digital radio. It's not. Yeah. It's a DAB plus radio. So if you can't find Double J or Triple J Unearthed or ABC Jazz, they're all digital stations. If you can't find them on your radio, then you don't have digital radio. But if you don't want to pay for a digital radio, there are so many other ways you can listen. I mean, everyone has got a crazy sick home theater system these days or at least their crappy TV plugged into a good speaker. Mm, yeah. uh, and a lot of our audience for years have been listening to Double J through Channel 200 on their TVs. Yeah, so sure. that's another way. Of course, you can stream online. And a lot of people do that at work um, from doublej.net.au and the ABC Listen app as well. You can listen um, to Double J and all of the ABC radio stations as well, crystal clear. Just so. A- there's heat, yeah, there's heaps, heaps of ways. It's a small sport. <laughs> it's like choose your own adventure. So, yeah, yeah it's really, um, I think that that's, you know, that was another thing that I noticed when people were trying it for the first time. It's like, how do I listen? And, yeah, it's good to, I'm glad you asked me that question because it is quite easy. You just need to know where to go. I mean, just trying to save you some time, I'm assuming on Twitter, uh, <laughs> when people at tweet you just being like, can you tell me how to troubleshoot my digital radio situation? I imagine that happens all the time. Yeah, but have you seen me on Twitter? I answer everything. <laughs> I'm very like, yeah. I literally, I think once recently I went through a step-by-step and showed someone how to subscribe because they didn't know how to subscribe to the <laughs> Bang On podcast I do with Miff. And I, and I just literally was like, because it was back before Twitter had expanded their 140 character limit. Yeah. And I was basically going through, now do this, now do this. And someone just chimed in and went, Zan, you really don't need to do this. Like, no, but I do because I understand when you're like, oh, it's in, I know it's in my phone, but I don't know how to get to it. Your own personal help page. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I, I love my job. I live my job um, and I do if, – if someone wants to know how they can listen to what I'm creating, that's so gratifying, of course I'm going to help them out. And I'm always online as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this just gives me creepy flashbacks of community radio. Like because back in the day when we, did it, when we did it and like 10 minutes before the show, we'd like jump on Facebook, hey, guys, we're on in 10 minutes. And someone would be like, where do I listen? We'd be like, this website. They're like – that website doesn't exist. Oh, it's just no. a dead link, guys. Like, no, this this is the one. Like, no, that's it's nothing. It's just static. 
So it's good to know that you never stop troubleshooting for fans. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Here to help. Yeah, yeah. Always. I mean, something, you know, we can't, uh, you know, while we've got you here in the studio, we have to ask because something that we'll chat to Michael, um, who is the producer here at Vienna People, uh, where we're recording the podcast, mm. he was like, every young musician wants to know how do they get on Triple J? And, and I kind of said off the cuff, oh, they just put their stuff on Triple J on Earth, right? Being the very but, important musicians that we but are. But he was like, if you've yeah. got Zan Rowe in the room, you got to ask that question. <laughs> Tie is, her up and make her play my yeah. music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is there, um, is there more than that? Like, like, what is the kind of the pathway um, or, you know, what are the pathways to getting airplay on Triple J, do you think? Well, a couple of things. First of all, um, the fact that every person is saying, how do I get played on Triple J is one of the reasons why we can't literally play everyone on Triple J because there are 20, four hours a day and seven days in a week and 365 days in a year, you know? So it's kind of like there's the amount of music, as you guys would know, um, is just expanding because people can just make their own music, distribute it themselves, which is amazing. All of those former gatekeepers are gone, but it means that we're getting, you know, to give you an example, I probably get, um, three to 400 songs sent to me per week of people saying, can, can you listen to this? Can you give feedback? We'd love to get some airplay, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a huge amount coming at us from every angle. And people emailing us directly as well as obviously pitching through um, radio promo people, through traditional labels, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and the other thing is that you absolutely not, you don't have to put your music on Triple J Unearthed in order to get played on Triple J. Mm. You're very welcome to. And Unearthed is an amazing community, not only um, that we use in a huge way, obviously, we're listening to a lot of stuff on Unearthed. We're sharing stuff that we've found with each other. And, of course, there's the community of users that use Unearth, uh, musicians and just fans alike who are constantly in that conversation. But if you don't want to put your music up on a, on a streaming platform, you don't have to. Hmm. It doesn't mean you're not going to get played on Triple J. We basically work hard every week to listen to as much stuff as we can, not only that we're sent, but looking and seeing, taking the temperature of what's happening out there, finding the music that's appearing in other places that people are vibing on um, and keeping our ear to the ground in terms of local communities, what they're producing. And also for me personally, I never claim to know everything I know about music. It takes a village. I share, I have conversations with friends who are in the industry, people who are booking festivals, music fans that are friends, constantly talking about what we've discovered. And that shared knowledge is how you know, you mm. make great radio and great festivals. Not one one person who says that they know it all and can do it all mm. is lying to you. It's <laughs> yeah. impossible, you know. Um, but we also have things like music meetings. So once a week, uh, a handful of the key music presenters, people like Linda Mariano, Dave Ruby Howe, who's the music director at Triple J Unearthed, obviously Richard Kingsmill, Nick Finlay, who's the music director at Triple J, uh, Dot Markek, who's the music director at Double J. All of us get together and, you know, hash out what we've heard and really give our own opinions. And those music meetings have been happening for years, decades at Triple J as well. It's a very democratic process. Um, we can, if we're really passionate about something, the, the listeners, sorry, the uh, broadcasters really push it to, you know, the music directors who are in charge of sort of making those very hard decisions of what eight or ten songs get added every week. Uh, and then those music directors all get together and have a smaller meeting the next day and that's what's how things are decided. And when you're thinking about the way things fall, I guess, you know, Triple J Unearthed being a digital station that has fewer presenters means that they can play more music and they so you'll see that their ads list every week is a lot larger and then double j and triple j who have more presenters 
um, have a, a set amount of, you know, ads every week, the feature album and everything. And the decision there is, again, going back to the difference in the audience that we're pitching to. So, again, Triple J focusing on 18 to 24 squarely and playing about 90% new music, Double J focusing on the 30 to 50 demographic and playing 70% new music, but still the same amount of ads um, each each week. So, mm. yeah, it's not – I think it's, again – before you, if, if you the, the vast amount of people who have never worked at Triple J, which is most of the Triple J listenership and industry, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I was once like you, um, you have an idea of what Triple J is before you work there. And then once you get inside, you're like, oh, oh, okay, this is how it works. And you're pleasantly surprised. And then logically you think, oh, yeah, it couldn't work any other way. Mm. One person can't make all these decisions. They'd be dead. Like yeah. there's, no, <laughs> there's no way that that can happen. So it is a really democratic process there's a lot of thought that goes into it and really in terms of the decisions we make first of all it's it's really tough when I can see bands are getting frustrated and artists because they aren't getting airplay that's not something that we take lightly um and there are often other avenues triple j airplay doesn't mean you'll make it or break it in Australia there's plenty Mm. of other avenues and plenty of bands have succeeded um without triple j support but there are a huge amount of um decisions that go in and I guess in the mix of music every week we're thinking okay well if you've got 10 guitar bands who are doing pretty much the same thing I'm not going to add those 10 bands you know who's doing it the best way who's doing it in a new way who's telling a story that we haven't heard before who's someone that the audience is really vibing on you know all so many different things go into those choices Mm. and they're never decisions that we take lightly yeah yeah. yeah, it's we've always got headphones on. <laughs> We're listening yeah. 24-7, you know. It's probably a good time to ask because obviously South by is just wrapping up now um, and from what I've seen based on the reviews over there, the two biggest Australian bands that are doing things over there are Gang of Youths and Stella Donnelly mm. who obviously Gang of Youths have had a crazy 2017 yeah. after Big Sound, Stella's just been going yeah. from strength to strength. Is this stuff that you know you guys need to see months before like you can say oh, okay so gang is going to have an aria album sorry album of the year aria soon stella will be massive like you can just see this from miles away or is it as much as a surprise as it is to these artists no i think with those two artists that you can tell anybody who saw them live even in the early days can see that there's something special mm. um i remember seeing stella for the first time um at big sound yeah yeah same no it wasn't same. a big sound sorry it was something else no maybe it was big sound i'm trying to remember it's all a blur but i remember <laughs> it was re- you know it was obviously in the last like she's been gigging for years and years and yeah. of course she was you know up until recently a member of boat show sure. she's got live music chops but she i remember when i saw her and i just went Oh, you're you're going to be famous. You're going to be huge. You can just tell she has, you know, if you've heard her songs on the radio, like "Boys Will Be Boys," that is a song. I just said it, and I got shivers. Mm. That was this my number one song last year that I voted for in the Hottest 100. An incredible song, an incredible song to put out at this time, at this moment in time, um, but also just a devastating song. And then also "Mechanical Bull." Similarly, you know, beautiful, but there's some darkness in that and then you see her live and it's like watching this bloody vaudeville character (laughs) and every in-between song banter is like stand-up comedy and she's just completely charming has total command and then has all of these other songs and you're like oh yeah she's everybody's gonna love her and of course everyone did everyone who saw her at big sound including all the international visitors you know just fell in love with her rightly so so i'm not surprised that she did well 
at South by Southwest, similarly Gang of Youths and Dave as frontman, so compelling and has always, you know, they're, you know, they're a good way into their career. He's got, they're on, off the back of that second record, mm. such conviction in what they do. And you can just see that very early on. There's some artists, you know, I'll give the example of like Grimes. I saw Grimes for the first time at South by Southwest years ago and a friend of mine who is a, a booking agent, um, a touring agent in Australia, dragged me along and she's like, I want you to come and see this, this artist Grimes. I've, I've heard some whisperings about her. She's going to be cool. And she was making very avant-garde stuff. This was way before Oblivion, way before that breakthrough record. I went and saw her at this shitty car park, basically. It was like a garage or something, and she was completely in darkness and she was making all this ethereal music. And I was just looking at it going, oh, it's a bit wishy-washy. And my friend just leaned over and went, She's going to be famous. And that friend has got an amazing way of picking a winner. That but person sounds Kanye West. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's got a you know, great radar. Yeah. But it just, like, sometimes you can, and she, of course she was famous, mm. sometimes you can, you can pick it straight away and sometimes it takes time to develop. And yeah. so there are, there are artists over the years that we've been like, oh, yeah, pick a winner. And then there are other artists who are like, oh, we missed that one. Mm. Um, it's... It's not a it's not a set in stone formula, you know. It's yeah. sometimes some slip through the cracks. But in the case of those two artists, yeah, you knew from very early on they're incredible, and they're gonna and yeah. they're perfect for mm. an American indie audience as well, like mm. and a UK audience. They're gonna be lapped up. I mean, our introduction to Stella, I think, was that big sound, and <laughs> and she came in and she did. Uh, first time we ever met her, she came in and did a recording. Wait, so of, con- context: of, we were we were podcasting at the Big Sound, yeah, and she was meant to actually come on, but she was rushing to go to a gig. So they're like, oh, she only has time to play this song, and she, said, and she was really friendly, really bright, yeah. so sweet. And I'm like, okay, cool. There's about ten people in the room. She sits down, she plays "Boys Will Be Boys," and she's like. Finished off. Well, thanks, guys. And we're all just there, speechless, we're all just looking like, at each other, just going, <laughs> sitting there, just the like floor. in shock. Just and like, like she'd been gone for ten do. minutes, and we're just still staring at <laughs> each other, going like. What just happened? And then we had to do an interview with someone else immediately <laughs> afterwards, and it was really hard. I mean, I think the interview after was Alex Yashnos. So that was fun. Oh, it was still just yeah. a bit weird. Like, it was just insane. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think then she did, like, two or three showcases after that, and the mm. entire rooms were full. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's crazy. incredible. Someone floors you. Just, yeah, everything about her. She's got it all, you know? Um, and I just can't wait to see what she writes next. She's mm. just, what a powerhouse. I'm so excited for Stella Donnelly. Is but, there a... Oh no, no, please, Neil. Please. Is there is there a particular example like since you started, like you just mentioned, like that you kind of saw early on and thought, oh yeah, he, she, or they might be a big deal. We'll see. And then now that person turns out to be, you know, like Blink One Eight Two. Like, is there a particular? It's Blink One Eight Two, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it was Blink One Eight Two. I'm actually a lot older than I look. (laughs) I used to think they're my favorite band, but like, like, is there a particular band? Um, the. I guess one of the funny ones that I didn't even realize until a couple of years ago when his manager came up, but um, Vance Joy's manager came up to me and said to me, oh, you know, you were the first person to play Vance Joy on Triple J. I'm like, really? Well, that's surprising. And I went back into our little playout system uh, and went into my folder where I sort of import all the music, you know, because at Triple J, it's a playlist station except for the specialist shows, but during the day the presenters still throw in their own choices as well, you know. Um, and I, sure enough, I'd imported Riptide, which I'd downloaded from Triple J Unearthed, uh, and, and played it for the first time and, and thought to myself, oh, this is a pretty catchy song. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon people are like this one. It really yeah. gets stuck inside your head. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's a funny one. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm trying to think. I think there's been a couple of others. Because, like, even if you look at, like, big sound lineups from, like, 2014, you're like, 
seriously, AB Original were there? Like, and they were like well down the bill. Yeah. So something like Big Sound, these acts can blow up very quickly. Yeah, and I think that that's like the thing you just always should remember is that all of these artists start from somewhere. Mm. And by the same token, you shouldn't necessarily there's so much focus it's so challenging to be an artist these days i think because there is that push to you know oh okay you have a new song and this is great and all of a sudden everyone's paying attention and everything that you do is being watched and everyone wants to have a chat with you like that gestation period where you're still figuring out what you're doing is a lot shorter for you know better or worse uh but even if like while you're sort of figuring out your sound maybe the other you have a hit song and then some of the other songs are a little bit less good Mm. but you shouldn't necessarily just give up on those artists because there is so much more focus on these artists and bands that they haven't had that that luxury of of previous artists where they get to figure out all the hiccups and the not so good songs privately Mm. you know Mm. I sort of think and I'm certainly not saying that Tash is making bad music but I think in the in the realm of Tash being able to basically, Tash Sultana being able to produce like a handful of songs. She's selling out massive venues off the back of an EP, but I can just tell she desperately wants to write something more longer form, but there's this hunger and it's, it's so exciting for her because all these people are touring. There's this hunger for her to get out there and make the most of the time, but she's not, doesn't have that time. And she's spoken about it on her social media about feeling overwhelmed and needing that time to actually stop and write a record. You just sure. don't have that anymore. Yeah. Mm. So she's had, you know, a number of really big songs as, you know, being one of the highest placing women in the hottest 100 in history and draws these huge crowds. Um, but she's still very early in her career. So mm. I sort of, you know, I wait to see what happens next with Tash as well once she mm. gets the chance to really, you know, flesh out what, what she, you know, where she's going and, and write the album that she wants to make. It's cool as well because, like, um, an artist like Amy Shark, for example, mm. um, she, I think, like, in January she posted this picture of herself and she's like, this was me one year ago playing in an RSL and there was, like, three people who weren't even looking at her. Mm. Fast forward to now, she's in the middle of the US and UK tour. She just played on Fallon. Like, it can happen quickly as well. Like, there is that other thing where... But Amy's not. A, this is the opposite of happening happening quickly. You know, she had a totally, career yeah. on the Gold Coast yeah. in like for eight. She was the video years. editor for the Gold Coast Titans. She worked hard. She gigged That's hard. That's insane. Yeah, but yeah. she kept at it. That's the yeah. thing. She kept at it, and she's she's spoken a lot about her story and and worked so hard to get to this place. And again, I remember I remember the music meeting as some things that stick in your mind. I remember the music meeting when Dave Ruby Howe, who's the music director of Unearthed, um, brought a door in, and we were talking about it, and we're all like, "Oh, this is good." This is a really good song. And Dave sort of was just talking about he, he knew of her work and he'd been listening to her upload music to Unearthed over the years. Mm. He's like, yep, she's, she's got something here, you know. And that's really exciting to, to see that and see that sort of things just change gear and how much they can just explode in the best of ways. Mm. But it's also really great to have long careers where there is no necessarily like, bam, everything at once. Totally. I mean, that's kind of, I guess, what everyone mm. goes for. But there's plenty of artists who have incredibly rich careers where they're just prolific and make beautiful art and they don't necessarily play Jimmy Fallon. That's also mm. great. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's also great. Okay. I'm going to ask you a very cliche question now because I'm sure. Oh, I love cliche questions. It's, it's, I, <laughs> What's I, I, it like I, to be a woman in music? Hit me. No, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't that. That's going to be the second one. But the first one is based on the on the awesome take five interviews you've done. Who is the one that stands out for, for whatever it might be? Because obviously someone like Macca, but it could be because 
they weren't very nice. It could be because, like you said, <laughs> when you listen to Macca now, it makes you cry. Is there a particular interview that stands out? Well, I've already spoken about Macca, but sure. that will yeah. be one that lasts, you know, the test of time. Um, I think that, you know, do I have to pick one? I mean, oh, pick five. Give us, give us a top, top, top pick five. Pick 15 if you like. If you like. Yeah. There's, you know, different ones matter for different reasons. And I guess, you know, that's the thing. It's no one, no take five is ever the same as the next. Um, I remember, it's funny because, you know, we're, we're talking today on the day that the Vivid Live Festival has been announced. And mm. It's the 10th anniversary. And 10 years ago, it was the Luminous Festival, which Brian Eno curated. And Brian Eno is, um, and he came out to Australia for it and he did a whole bunch of talks. Um, and he's, of course, you know, one of the most famous producers and music makers in the world. And through both his work in the studio and as a musician has changed the way that I think about music. And he came in to do a take five with me. And that's a, the, the conversations that we had about creativity and risk and this sort of line that you travel between risk and safety and which point you sort of get to in that sort of sweet spot and the way that he thought about music. I still think about that and his theories around music every other day. Mm. So personally that conversation changed my life. So the fact that I was sitting with someone talking about creativity and he co-wrote Heroes with David Bowie Mm. and recorded with Bowie and U2 and many other amazing artists, Mm. you know, that was just mind-blowing. That was really special to me. And then on the complete other spectrum, having Violent Soho come in the day after they got five songs in the Hottest 100 when they hadn't slept um, <laughs> and they were so loose. And the theme that I gave them because I knew it was going to be on that day was Sicky Songs <laughs> basically because it was that thir- the Hottest 100 was on a Thursday and the Take Five was on a Friday and then it was a weekend. So everyone would have been taking a Sicky to have the long weekend. And it was just the most, like, I was crying with laughter. You know, it was just so stupid and fun. And still many other people tell me that was, like, their favourite take five to this day. And I loved it. And I love those guys. They're just totally joyful. Um, And then someone like Bat for Lashes who came in and did a take five. And I had that experience again. I think for me, obviously, as a music journalist, I'm trying to get something from the artist that we haven't heard before. Mm. And I am tapping into a vulnerability, but not exploiting it. And as a result, artists will often, I can meet someone and at the end of the take five after 45 minutes, we're, we're walking out and we're hugging and embracing and I feel like I'm their best friend. And mm. Natasha Khan, who's Bat for Ashes, I felt like I'd made a new best friend that day. It's just such an, it's such an intimate experience um, and I feel so lucky to be able to share that space and connect over music with people that then, you know, connect on a whole lot of other levels. That's another one that I just cherish. Like she was just amazing. Mm. But there's so many, you know, the segment's been running for um, more than 10 years on Triple J, starting on Double J. So this year, so it's like, it's a it's a bloody gold mine. <laughs> so many favourites. Before we let you go, like, have you got any, like... Uh, Is it too top secret? Are, there, are these, like, playing, like, months out? Any any hotties well, coming got Taylor up? Taylor Swift locked in. That's fine. That's next November. Oh, she'd be fun, wouldn't she? Yeah. Um, who have I got locked in? Angel Olsen's this Friday. Yeah. Right. Leon Bridges. We're going to grab right after Blues Fest. Any dreams? Anyone that you'd love to get that you you never quite got your hands on? Patty Smith. Yeah. yeah. Bowie was there as well. Sure. Mm. He would have been amazing to speak to. Yeah. 
Patty Smith, if she's never going to come back to Australia, I guess I'll just have to go to her. Yeah. yeah. But she's just, when you think about people in mu- music, poets who have made such an incredible impact, she's got to be up there. Mm. Top three people for me. Like she's just, what a force. And still to this day, just seeing her perform Horses um, last year and just be on stage with the same amount of fire in her belly that I can imagine she had, you know, in the East Village in the 60s are just, she's incredible. I'd love to sit down and have a big long chin wag with Patti Smith and become her best friend. <laughs> that's that's always the aim. Every time we say we're going to be best friends with this person. I don't actually have any friends in real life, so I just interview people in this order to make for. them be Even my Dave friends. Dave and I are friends. We're going to escort him. Look at us. It's all going an on. elaborate game. No, I mean, I'm like, very lonely. <laughs> you speak about this with such passion, and, like, I'm, and I'm curious, have you ever been completely and utterly starstruck? Like, I mean, when, I'm, when I listen to the Macca interview, I know we keep coming back to that, but that's obviously it's Macca. Like you handled that like a pro. You didn't sound nervous at all. Whereas like I can say, I don't think I've ever been nervous except one time. And it was a phone interview with Mark Hoppus. <laughs> and because Blink of my favorite Benny's Benny's like, hey, Neil, nice to meet you. I'm like, hi, Mark. <laughs> like, and I was like, what are you doing? And the more I, I kept getting my head and it was just awful. But you, ah, you sounded great. I think there's a couple of things. And with Macca, I, you know, for every interview I do, I research heavily. And, mm. and with Macca in particular, like I was just, day in day out you his favorite color. once yeah. it was confirmed I wanted to know with the knowledge that I wouldn't use any of that but anywhere he went I knew where he was going and I could follow with a question yeah so that sort of you know research gives me the confidence that I have when I'm sitting opposite him mm. um, but the other thing is that the thing that you discover is that the, the stars and the stars the celebrities the musicians, you know, these legends in the industry that you've looked up to and you've grown up with your whole life, the people who have stood the test of time don't have a fuck you vibe about them. Mm. I remember meeting PJ Harvey when I was at Triple R and I felt I was so nervous and I, as soon as I met her, I felt at peace because she just, she's a professional, she knows what she's doing, but she doesn't give off that that vibe, you know. She's, she's agreed to the interview, she's there, she's there to, to share something with you. Same with Beck, you know, the first time I interviewed him at Triple R and then a couple of weeks ago when he came in to do the Take 5. He just has a really lovely vibe about him. He's a gentleman. Paul McCartney was the same. They're professionals, you know. They don't want to necessarily be my best friend and hang out after the chat. They're playing a game as well, but they don't put up a front because um, they've learned that you that the industry is small, that you treat people well. Um, not for your own personal gain, but just because you expect to be treated well as well, you know. Mm-hmm. I just think that the longer that you're in it, you realise that it's a small pond locally and globally and you should just treat people the way that you want to be treated. Mm. Uh, so all of those bigger stars that I've kind of freaked out at. I did almost vomit when I saw David Byrne walking down the, <laughs> the hallway um, I was because I love his music so much yeah. and I love all of, everything that he's done artistically. Yeah. And then as soon as I met him, he's like, he's kind of like Kermit the Frog cute. He's like, oh, hi, Dan. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, you're fine, you know. And, and, and it's that also that weird thing where you, when you meet someone and you shake their hand, I look at them, I'm like, oh, I know you. I've known you all my life. You're my friend. Yeah, best friend. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because they are. Like all of these people have been part of my life. Mm. So you feel at home once you're with them. It's yeah. really um, And thank God, because God. <laughs> <laughs> imagine, imagine if I'd balled up that... 
balls up that Paul McCartney interview, I never would have been forgiven. Yeah, 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 they would put that in the promos. But um, before you go, I mean, we, we do have to do a little take five with you for the sake of curiosity. And oh, no, sake... don't make me do a list. No, no, it would make you do a list. <laughs> five acts that you think we need to be paying attention to now. And when we play this in 10 years' time, uh, when we're on, is there like a world global radio station? Yeah, I think we'll yeah, be on. We'll be on World Global we'll Radio make the breakfast News. The World Global stuff. Yeah, that. yeah, it's a um, podcast. And you can say that you've called this five, ten, two years in advance. Who okay, cool. You can't say Stella or Gang News. Yeah, no, it's, they're they're already they're, they're gone. They've, they've <laughs> yeah. blown up. They've been discovered. Um, an amazing soul artist who's based out of Melbourne called Kate mm-hmm. uh, is ripping it up. I reckon she's gonna. Everyone's going to be talking about her locally and internationally. I think she'll have the kind of hiatus coyote style, very strong live presence, particularly in that Melbourne soul scene, which is so rich. But then people overseas are going to start noticing mm. pretty soon as well. Kate's pretty awesome. Um, who else? I mean, middle kids, have they already blown up? I'm obsessed with them. I think that the songwriting, that every single song that they make is just, um, it's world-class songwriting, you know. Whenever I hear their new song, I just think, God, I really want to hear this at the Grand Old Opry in Nashville. It's just got like that classic country sound in the best of ways. Mm. Middle kids are brilliant. Um, oh, whenever I'm asked for things, my mind goes blank. <laughs> Who else? Local Australian artists. Don't have to be Australian. Um, you put me on the spot. I knew that would happen. Um, we should have asked for one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I honestly have that thing where all the information that I've had in my head is just like, hey. <laughs> um, there's another artist that I think is going to do great things as well that a lot of people are talking about called Tando. She's another yeah, yeah, yeah. soul yeah. artist out of Melbourne. And she's at the very early stages. But I think that she's going to be really big. Mm. She's just, she came in and sang live on Double J on International Women's Day. And it was when I listened back to it a day later, I was like, is this the recorded version? Like it was flawless. Mm. Yeah, she wow. told me afterwards she had a chest infection. I'm like, what? <laughs> Who are you? That's just nasty is what that yeah, is. Just, just yeah. stop showing off. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's three. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty we solid can, three. We, we can, can three if... We can, I mean, we haven't, maybe we haven't quite got to take five levels. <laughs> uh, maybe we need to work our way up to that. Uh, David also, Neal can I, do take three between the two of us. <laughs> when, when I... When I uh, when I ask people to take five, I just want you guys to know that I give them a few days to pick their oh, songs. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay, good. So you putting me on the spot is very cruel. This you're, is the Wild do West, Zan. Do they ever come in and say, you know what, I hated my top five, I want to change it all right now? Yeah, there's people who change it last minute. Josh Homme came in and didn't tell me his songs until it was sitting in front of me, but I trusted him because, you know, he does his own radio show on Beats One, so I figured sure. that yeah. he'd know what he was doing, and of course he did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Zan, thank you so much for coming by. Pleasure. It's been fun talking to you guys. Um, we will listen to you every day on Double J. Thank um, you. But thank you for coming by. We really appreciate it. It's been awesome having you. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Cheers.